Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Life always has a way of directing you where it wants you to go. Our guest entrepreneur, Natalie Frank, thought she would just go to college, become a neurologist, when life threw her a curveball and she found out she had a brain tumor. 
Her story ends well, though. She took this lifestyle change in stride, became a successful wedding photographer, started the Rising Tide Society, which was acquired by HoneyBook in 2015, all at the age of 25. Natalie believes that finding clarity in life is empowerment, and to do so, you have to tap into a little something called your genius zone. Bottom line, you need to understand your superpowers and your genius zone. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come-to-Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. This month, we celebrate five years of the Millennial Money Podcast, and I cannot thank you enough for coming along for the ride and really sharing the show with all your family and friends. As my friend, we've decided to do a little bit of a favor, and we're just going to publish episodes on Tuesdays. But before you get all bummed out, know that this is actually the best news for you. It will give you time to dive deeper into each episode and, on our end, time to pour some extra content into these episodes. And since we've done over 600 episodes, you have access to a huge fault of every type of money content your little heart desires. So feel free to go back, listen to past episodes, sink deep into the new ones, and keep sharing our show with your friends so we can all get in a better money mindset. I echo Natalie's words for sure. I think when you can find clarity and your genius zone, well, your genius can can happen. It can take shape. That can mean maybe you start a new career or a new business or you follow a passion project or take a leap or decide that it's time to get real with your finances. Yes, please. (laughs) Genius zones, they don't just appear. At least they haven't in my life. They have to be cultivated over time. That's why I always say you can't just look at your money for one month and then you have it all mastered. No, you have to be in it over and over and over again. Think of your genius zone like a plant, right? You start with a seed and then you have to plant it, water and feed it, trim it down from time to time, all before it grows into a plant that gives life and air. I want you to hear it straight from Natalie, though. So get comfy and let's dive in and let's find your genius zone. So Natalie, I am so excited to have this chance to chat with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We had a chance to talk a little bit before we recorded this episode, and I know there's so much that we want to dive into, but I think one thing that really jumped out at me is that I also echo the sentiment of life having this way of redirecting what we thought, whether it's our career, our relationships, our health, whatever it might be. And you shared this story that you thought you were going to go to college and then follow in your family footsteps, become a neurologist. And then, of course, you had this curveball of of a brain tumor, which is super serious. I, I wonder if we just start at... What was it like this time in your life? Walk me through a little bit like what you were feeling and and how life had all these changes for you. Oh, I mean, I 
I think everyone can relate to the fact that you go into life with a plan. And then by the time you get even a quarter of the way through the plan, it has changed a thousand times over. And that was, was my experience. So I went to UPenn. I studied visual studies with a focus in, you know, basically psychology and neuroscience on the science track wow. of that major. And I wasn't certain about wh- what I wanted to pursue after that. But ultimately, I knew that there was, you know, the common path of taking the nine to five, or I could take a leap and start a new business. And so I actually jumped sort of out of college right into being a full-time wedding photographer. And then within the span of a year, found out that I had a benign brain tumor sitting right behind my optic nerves, right near the pituitary gland, pressing or nearly pressing at that point um, on my optic chiasm. And so essentially I was told, hey, look, the, the bad news here is that you have a benign brain tumor. It could result in temporary blindness. The good news is it's benign. Right. And, yeah. you know, you, you, we need to, we need to move forward with, with a course of action. And look, at the time I mentioned I'm a photographer. My job is to see the world. <laughs> My job is literally to capture moments for other people. I built an entire six figure business on that and recognized very quickly that that could be taken from me, uh, you know, overnight w- without it being in my control. And so life definitely threw through some curveballs my way, um, that being one of many. And, you know, I had to very, very quickly learn some lessons. You know, I had to, to ultimately build a plan for my business so that it could operate without me. You know, if I needed surgery, if I needed exactly. to go in disability, I had to create a sustainable financial model for my business, a business plan. I mean, everything that I had put off doing, <laughs> everything that I had said, <laughs> I don't need that. It's going just great. I had to build so that this thing could survive, you know, a really scary health scenario that was potentially looming. I recognized immediately that I had this desperate need for community, that I couldn't do this on my own, that I needed other people to walk alongside me professionally and personally to kind of take take these dreams uh, and enable them to continue on through through hard times. And, you know, uh, uh, within this entire season, you know, I built this business. A lot of life happened along the way. I launched a community after realizing the need for it. That community grew. It was acquired by an incredible startup called HoneyBook in San Francisco. I took on a role as their head of community and moved out to San Francisco. And ultimately, the time that I hoped never would come came when, you know, my doctors basically said, we need to operate and you're going to need to have brain surgery to remove this tumor. It's going to require going, you know, and taking time off, going on disability, all of that. And so my life in my mid to late twenties, when I was at the height of my career, crushing it um, in business and in tech had to come to a screeching halt. And, you know, it, it taught me quite a bit about, about leaning on others, about, being transparent and vulnerable with your community about opening up, about having resilience and not giving up when things get hard. And thankfully, I am two years post-surgery with um, so many moments of gratitude that, that have come along with it. I think it's so important to share stories like that. I think people often don't want to hear or certainly turn into a podcast and hear about the the bad things that happen. But I think it's important to share that. I I know a little over a year ago, I had something 
just out of the blue happened and became permanently deaf in my left ear. And as a podcaster, you kind of need two ears. (laughs) So for me, it was this big transition of figuring out, okay, what is important to me? What do I want to focus on? What do I want my life to look like? How much money do I really want to make? Do Mm -hmm. I really care to do this or do that or to speak on stages? Like all of these questions that I never really had thought about in the depth that I needed to now think about it. So I, I love that you shared that and that particularly that it can happen to anyone at any time. And not that that's a fear statement, but I think that Maybe that's a way of kind of waking us all up in the new year of of really focusing on what's important in our life. Absolutely. I think clarity is empowerment. And I think when we feel, you know, clarity in what matters in our life, clarity in how we want to proceed, clarity in, you know, defining the yeses so that we can say no to things that aren't meant for us, that empowers us to step into building a life, building a business, building a career, whatever it is that we love and that aligns with our intentions. And so I always say, I, I hope it never comes to, to that. I hope it never yes. comes to experiencing what maybe both of us have experienced, but, you know, whatever it takes to really clarify for you what the priorities are, where you need to be driving towards and having the courage to say no to anything that isn't that, you know, to really identify where, where you uniquely want to be spending your time and, and move the needle towards that. You know, actually the work I do every single day at HoneyBook is a great example of this. You know, we really have found that for small business owners, for freelancers, for entrepreneurs, there is a superpower. There is a magic. There is something inside of them that they were created to do, that their brain is wired in just the right way to enable them to have this passion for something that they love. For me, it was photography. For so many other people, it could be writing, speaking, podcasting, um, you know, creating, building businesses, whatever it is. Anything. Anything. And, and so often these incredible people are are not spending their time in their genius zone. They're spending their time doing all of the other things that take from that, that, you know, leech away at at that brilliance and really leave them feeling drained and overwhelmed and unfulfilled. And so, you know, I've worked with, with HoneyBook over the last four years to, to help flip that reality for them. And that's what HoneyBook is really trying to do. You know, we're, we're seeing these opportunities for business owners to change their entire lives by leaning more into the aspects of their superpower and their genius zone and leaning out of the things that aren't meant for them. And in my own world, you know, this really looked like getting clear on where I wanted to spend my time because I recognized just how precious it was. And I saw just how fleeting it can be. And I realized that I didn't want to waste a minute of this precious life because tomorrow isn't promised. And we have to take advantage of of every single day and just live it to the fullest. Yeah, I was getting some serious uh, goosebumps as you were talking there. Uh, so many things popped out of me. The the magic that you talk about being an entrepreneur, that's something I always tell people, like, I feel like I came out of the shoot an entrepreneur. Like, my brain <laughs> just can't think a different way. Even when I try to force it, I've had that mm-hmm. time where I'm like, couldn't I just want to be this one thing, like do this one thing? And yeah. my body's like, or and my, my soul is like, no, that's just not who you were supposed to be. So I'm kind of curious because I know somebody listening is probably thinking this. How do you go through that process of 
defining that yeses and and finding your genius zone? Is there a process that you go through? Absolutely. So we like to call it the intersection of passion and purpose. And Mm -hmm. so we see, you know, passion being something a lot of people talk about passion. And I I don't want to discount it because I do think that that motivation, that positive cycle of feedback that, you know, I look at it literally like a wheel of momentum. When you're passionate about something and you lean into it, it just rolls faster. It just motivates you. It moves you. But passion can also be fleeting. Passion can come and go. Okay. That's where (laughs) discipline comes in as a business owner. But if you also overlap that passion with purpose, with a deeper understanding, as Simon Sinek talks about of having your why, other people have referred to it in other ways, but it's sort of the fundamental boiling down of all the reasons of why you wake up in the morning, why you care so much about whatever it is that you're doing. And I guarantee you, if you keep asking, but why, but why, but why, you're going to boil it down to the core, the root of the root of something that is so much more deeply ingrained in who you are as a human being and why you get up and you go do the things that you do, even when it is hard, even when the passion has been drained out of you, even when you're exhausted and perhaps a little overworked, you're still rising and you're fighting again. Why? And I, I love that word purpose that you bring that up because that's certainly the way that I like to talk about if we're going to go in, in the money realm, the way mm-hmm. I'd like to think about it is you're not just doing all of these tasks around money. And even if you're an entrepreneur, it's not just about your, your budget, but it is about the purpose. Why are you doing these things? What is the vision? What, what do you want your life to look like? And those things root you in why you're doing this, why you maybe are doing something that's hard or maybe something you don't want to. Or certainly when you start out as an entrepreneur, I mean, you've probably experienced this too. You do, you have to do everything. You have to be customer service. You have to be yeah. the marketing genius, the PR person, the money person. And it's, it's a lot. But I, I think that word purpose is so powerful because when the passion sort of, not that it fizzles, but maybe it isn't as sustaining. You move then into that purpose piece. Absolutely. And when it comes to profitability, it comes to building something that generates a significant amount of revenue. What we like to say is you take that passion and that purpose, you take that genius zone. And if you can find a need in the market, if you can find a pain point that people are experiencing and align it with, you know, where you uniquely can add value where your genius zone positions you to have that maybe unique perspective, that experience and background, that innovative insight to solve the pain point, to meet the need, right? That's where the opportunity lies. I do think that sometimes people hear passion and purpose and they think, oh, that's great. I'm just going to go off and do what I want to do. That might not necessarily align with what the market needs. That might not necessarily align with what the pain points are, but when you can find that equation where you can maybe outsource aspects of the business that, you know, you shouldn't be spending your time on, leverage a tool like HoneyBook to manage the business, you know, build financial infrastructure to help you invest intelligently, you know, not just spend for the sake of having the newest gear, the newest gadgets, the newest <laughs> yes. tech. I struggle with that personally. So I always have to Oh my gosh, up. we all do if we're going to be honest. I mean, it's it's like a constant battle, right? Of do it I is. spend money on this? Do I not? Is this worth it? Is this oh. going to grow my business? Is it not? And the sometimes there isn't a right answer. You just just kind of have to lead with your gut and and you know I'll, I'll figure out some sort of mechanism for success like you know I might give myself 3 months if this mm-hmm. is if this helps me if it isn't I'm going to cut back on it but yeah that's such a tough part 
It is. That in particular is very hard, especially when we work with a lot of creatives. I know that there is, and, and, you know, actually any industry right now, there's so much new technology coming out year over year. And so you have to be really intelligent about where you invest and you have to be really smart. And I say invest as, as a larger term to, you know, communicate anything from where you spend your actual capital, where you're spending your money, but also where you invest your time. And in some aspects, and this is what, what we really see at HoneyBook, a lot of folks, you know, they're doing the same process over and over and over again, and they're doing it in the, the cheapest way possible to save them the most amount of money. But in the process, they're spending the majority of their time on, on processes that can be fixed with a small monthly fee on a platform or with a specific tool that actually, when you step back and you look at, you know, time spent and cost per hour that they're spending doing, doing these tasks that could be automated, that they could reinvest that time, that time being even more valuable perhaps in that moment than the small amount of capital they would have invested, reinvest that time into leaning into the genius zone, into stepping forward and, you know, maybe leveraging their time to network if that's their superpowers, building connections and, and leveraging, leveraging their network uh, to you know, increase their net worth. Maybe it's, you know, spending more time on the marketing side. Maybe it's spending more, whatever it is that they are uniquely skilled at, that they love to do. They're spending it doing things that they don't love. And, and that just not only limits their, their capabilities long-term, you know, in growing their business, but it also is, is a, it's, it's sort of that myth of, oh, well, you know, don't spend any money, but no, sometimes you right. need to yes. spend money in order to get out of doing the work that's holding you back. Yes, absolutely. The exclamation part on that one. And also when we're talking about genius zone, because we tend to talk about it like, okay, I'm going to go full bore into this entrepreneurial venture, but it could even be if somebody wants to just have a side hustle and, and that is a genius zone, right? I mean, it doesn't mean you have to go full on into the entrepreneur realm. Oh, Without a doubt, my, one of my personal sort of areas where I, it lights me on fire. It just, it invigorates me is to be creative. I love to be creative. So for example, it's not even a side hustle. It's a, it's a hobby, but I lean more into my genius zone when I doodle. And so yeah. I have started doodling on my iPad, creating doodles that then I've been able to actually work into my business, um, you know, building my personal brand. They get shared on social. They've helped me to scale my platform. But for me, it's fun. I do it on the weekends. I do it after work. I do it to process ideas, to create visuals for, you know, for presentations. Stress release probably too, it's right? It's so fun and I enjoy it. Now, it doesn't write me a big fat paycheck at the end of the day, but I can promise you when I step into the office on Monday morning, when I get behind the computer to work, I am a better person because I have enabled myself to have that time working in my creative mind. You know, right, and yeah. I, I do. I agree. I think whether it's a side hustle or a hobby or you're able to turn it into a full time business and scale it, the more often that we create space for, you know, exploring those avenues of ourselves that breathe life into us, that invigorate us, that give us that passion and perhaps even align with our deeper purpose. I think it, it helps us all over. It helps us to be, you know, better performing entrepreneurs or even employees or even just people. You know, parents, yeah, yeah. friends, all of it. Humans. Sh yeah. Human beings, without a doubt. What would you say to the person who's probably saying like, okay, that's great. I have a passion for something that I want to do, but money is so tight. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm paycheck to paycheck and I can't see how I could even carve out time to try to focus on whatever I feel like my genius zone is. How do you make that transition if you're in that space? 
Yeah, look, I I have to be honest here. I oh, people always kind of give me a hard time for this, but um after you've taken the step of really analyzing your your sort of efficiency, how efficient are you truthfully, you know, and are there ways perhaps you can't get more than 24 hours in a day, okay? Everybody's <laughs> I got wish, that. I wish. We all wish. <laughs> but could you be more efficient with the hours that you have? It's not yeah. always about finding more time. It's about being more efficient with the time that you do have. And this is where people give me a hard time, but here here's my honest advice. If you have time to watch Netflix, if you have time to stalk old significant others on social media, you have time to build a side hustle. You have time to build a business. I think that there is a lot to be said for stepping up and putting in the work when you need to put in the work. And that might mean, I, I again, I am not advocating for hustle at all costs mentality for all time, but I am saying that there are, there are spaces where we so often can get in the habit, get in the rut of just consuming, consuming the content that's out there, consuming, you know, the available outcries for our attention that come at us from every angle. And if we just turn it off and allocate even 30 minutes, one hour after the baby's gone to bed, in between nap time, you know, like (laughs) wherever we can carve it, and not enable ourselves to fall into the trap of letting our attention go to help other people build their dreams and instead push our attention toward building our dream. It's incredible what we can accomplish with an extra 30 minutes a day that we were spending watching the next Netflix show. And here's the beautiful thing. That TV show, it's still going to be there. Right. You know, that article, <laughs> it's still going to be there. But you tuning in, for example, to this podcast, turning it on, listening while you're working, getting inspired, learning new skills that you're going to take and turn into something productive that you're going to be able to leverage and and bring it forward in, into that that side hustle. For example, I love listening to your podcast while I'm doodling. I love being able to consume other podcasts as well while I'm, you know, answering my inbox, while I'm just getting things done. And And then when I have that extra 30 minutes, I'm able to either implement what I'm learning or try something new, innovate, experiment, get creative, you know, surround myself with, with artists that are thinking outside the box, going to a seminar for women in tech and actually making the time that I can with that extra hour. I I don't think it's about finding an extra 40 hours a week. That's not going to happen. It might be being more efficient with the hours you do have carving out the 30 minutes when you can and not making excuses for yourself. Not enabling yourself to fall into the trap of giving your attention to to other people building their dream and instead put that attention towards building yours. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. 
Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. 
It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. It's Tuesday, so that means it's time for an Ask Shauna, and I'm going to keep the name anonymous for this one. The listener says, I've been listening to your podcast recently, and I didn't know who else to ask or tell this to other than you. I'm a student who will be pursuing further studies in another country with a loan taken out with the help of my parents, and I'm someone who has not had a penny to her name, and I'll be finishing my studies in two years. I would want to start to be able to repay the debt as soon as I can. I don't have a clue where to start and how to start. I will be working part-time. I'm so lost and the debt makes me very anxious. Please help me out. Please let me know what I can do to help myself. I think this might seem like a small situation at hand, but given my financial situation and the financial background I come from, every single penny saved is important to me. Please kindly help me out. Well, this is a great question and I would gather that there is someone else listening who is exactly in your spot. Debt does make us feel anxious, especially if you haven't had it before, or maybe you've gotten out of debt and then you've had to get back into debt and you're just freaking out. I know this is really not any comfort, but I want you to know that you are certainly not alone. In fact, I would say 99.5%. 9%. I know that may seem high, but it's it's really the truth of people that I have helped financially over the years were working to overcome some sort of debt. And all of them shared that exact same sentiment. No matter what their income was, no matter where they lived, no matter how old they were, it's just debt brings on anxiety. And for some of us, it is more anxious thoughts, more stressful more just depression and all of those feelings. And other people, they don't like it. And yes, it bothers them, but maybe they just have a different makeup and they deal with it a little bit differently. However, I will say that everyone across the board does not like debt. In fact, the number one question I always get asked is, how do I get rid of my debt? So this is certainly not unique to yourself. So a couple of things. I just want to give you a little food for thought. If you have two years to go, you've got a lot of time to get your money in order, even if it feels like you don't have a lot of time. I tell everyone that you can find, find, yes, find money in your bank account. There is money waiting for you to redirect or give another job. This is universal. The key is you just have to look for it. That's the problem. That's where most people get stuck is they don't look for it. So first, I would say get a budgeting app like you need a budget or mint or clarity money. If you aren't an app person, you can certainly easily do this just by looking at your bank statement each month. But categorize every expense you have so you can see where your money's going. Listen, even if you're listening to this episode right now and you're like, hey, I'm cool, I got plenty of cash, 
I don't need to do this. Don't believe that false statement. Everyone should do this practice to make sure that you're really just maximizing your cash. You work so hard for your money. Why would you just let it drain from your account without being in the driver's seat? Again, this is goes back to talking about the mindset piece. Okay, so I'm going to step down from my soapbox for a moment. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell that I'm very passionate about this stuff. But the key is be in your numbers every week. Find every dollar that you can and put it in a separate savings account to pay off your loan or send it directly to your loan to start paying it off. It doesn't matter if it's $5 or $50 or $500. It doesn't matter. It's it's getting in the habit of being in your numbers and looking what are the places, what are the ways I can save money without sacrificing my lifestyle, but where are those little tweaks I can, I can find because there is money sitting in your bank account no matter what your situation is. Also, you mentioned that you were going to be working part-time, which I think is amazing. Uh, there are lots of things too you could do online depending on your skills. I've had myself like a million different side hustles since I left college and each one has helped me get to another money step. So look at your time. Is there a way that you can not only work part-time, but maybe you do something else because every extra bit of cash that you can get that you can throw towards those loans will be really important. I believe in you. You can totally do this. Break down your goal into little bits, monthly or even daily amounts, so you can see progress happening. Don't look at your debt in whole entirety. Like if you have $20,000 in debt, don't just look at $20,000 because that is going to make you freak out. So how can you break that down into how much you want to save or pay off each month, each week? Each day, the more granular you can get, the better you can actually achieve this because what happens is you start making progress and you're like, oh yeah, I totally got this. There is no problem. I don't need to freak out at all. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have that success moment. So listen, if you are listening and you have any Ask Shauna questions, what are you waiting for? Head on over to the link in the show notes or over to the Millennial Money Podcast Hub at mmoneypodcast.com. Right there on the homepage, there's an Ask Ashana section. Fill it out and let's get your question answered. You're already one of our biggest fans of the pod, but I want to invite you to go deeper behind the scenes with me every single month. Get all the scoops on what I'm loving, catch up on popular podcast episodes, and check out a video with a money tip in each monthly email delivered straight to your inbox. Plus, since I'm a big fan of having dessert first, I'm going to send you an exclusive bonus podcast episode, five minutes to recite your money mindset when you sign up as an added treat. Head over to mmoneypodcast.com and enter your email address in the box on the homepage to sign up. Again, that's mmoneypodcast.com. I can't wait to see you behind the scenes. A lot of it is a mindset shift. I mean, yes. I talk about this a lot when it comes to money and people kind of look at me like, huh? And I'm like, it, it really is. It's all a mindset shift of, of focusing on like the things you're saying that are important, saying, okay, my Netflix show is going to be here tomorrow or two days or two weeks down the line. But if I, if I have this dream and this goal and this thing I want to achieve and I focus right now, maybe I might be able to do something amazing that I that I didn't even think was possible if I just 
you know, didn't, didn't spend that time focusing. So I think a lot of it is just shifting your mind and also thinking about what is possible. Absolutely. Because I think there's so much messaging around, gosh, I, I, maybe it's not even messaging. I think there's this air of, of competition and certainly with social media, we can, all of us can kind of get looped into it where we feel like I have to be perfect before I start something. I have to know all the answers before I do this thing. And I don't know about your experience, but for me, the things that have really worked out well have been when I've kind of just jumped into something. I mean, not without thinking about it a little bit, but there has been that point of like, okay, I just have to jump off this cliff and try something. Without a doubt, I think oftentimes, you know, more dreams are forgotten, left behind, not able to be achieved simply because we don't start. And 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 there's a great quote out there about, you know, I think it's um, failure to begin kills more dreams than, you know, actual failure. The idea right. that so many people are, are sitting on the edge of something extraordinary, if they just had that mindset shift to believe that they were capable to step forward and try the thing that they've been wanting to try, both small scale and large scale. I can't only imagine how many people listening to this want to start a podcast, want to create a new Instagram account, want to you know launch something new, but are looking out at the market and saying, "Oh, it's it's very saturated. There's no, I, I there's no way I shouldn't try. I shouldn't um, attempt it on." my own. And that thought alone is killing far more dreams than competition. Can you imagine if we all just sort of leaned into our our genius zone? I mean, (laughs) I think it would be it would be amazing what could happen. It would be amazing not only for all of us, but more importantly, for the world of people waiting for the things that we should be creating. I often mm, yeah. say that to people when, you know, they, they say to me, Oh, I just, it's, you know, what if, what if, what if? And, you know, sometimes the need for what you're going to put into the world is far greater than your discomfort. The people out there are waiting desperately for that thing that you're going to create, that way you're going to teach, that unique perspective you're going to provide through writing or audio or video or whatever it is that you should be out there creating. And every minute, that you allow your fears, your doubts, your insecurities to stop you from going and doing the thing is a minute that you're preventing other people from really changing their lives and having access to something that could change the trajectory of everything. And for me, that's been a, a huge mindset that's helped me. You know, when I start to worry, I start to let the insecurities get the best of me. I flip the script and stri- start to think about others, try to think about what impact it would have on them, how I could use this to benefit my audience or how I could use this to benefit, you know, the mom that wants to launch a business who has put it off because she hasn't had that one thing, that one bit of education that we could provide right, in our yeah. community. And so, yes, somebody else maybe has taught on that or created that thing or done it, but they haven't done it like you. Mm, yeah. And that could be the exact vehicle that somebody else needed in order to get where they need to go. It's so powerful. You're speaking to me right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned your first business, Rising mm-hmm. Tide Society, when it got bought by HoneyBook and you yeah. were just 25. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a, a goal or a dream for a lot of entrepreneurs to have this thing that then gets bought by this bigger company. And walk me through a little bit, like, what was that process like getting acquired? Uh, 
a whirlwind, an amazing, <laughs> exciting, and terrifying whirlwind. We, you know, at that point had experienced a lot of exponential growth with Rising Tide. We had scaled this community um, significantly. And this awesome startup from San Francisco reaches out. And they're like, hey. And at the time, again, none of us are envisioning acquisition. They right. reached out like so many other brands reached out um, and said, hey, we just, we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to potentially collaborate. And so we went out and we met the team. And I can honestly tell you, I say this to people who are thinking about, um, you know, either partnering or merging. We went out, we met the team at HoneyBook. And I just knew immediately that we shared the same core values. There was a lunch in particular where we're, you know, in the office and sitting with the CEO, the co-founders, and we just start finishing each other's sentences about the future of work, about how we see, you know, future generations living their lives and the amount of work we have to do today to help them get to that point. And all of us are speaking as entrepreneurs, as, you know, innovators with, with a real vision for the future. And we're just finishing each other's sentences. And I had this feeling in my gut, like in that moment, I thought, <laughs> wow, I wish we could do this together because mm, yeah. HoneyBook is attempting to solve these problems through technology, through an innovative platform, and Rising Tide is trying to do it through community. But at the end of the day, we're attempting to solve a similar problem. We're trying to serve the same group of people, and we agree on our vision of the future. There has to be a way to do this together. And so we started just by you know talking through potential partnership, but very quickly that escalated into understanding that we would be far stronger together. And it's been an incredible, incredible ride. I mean, you know, a lot of acquisitions don't go the ways the way that ours did. I still, you know, lead Rising Tide. I'm still with the company four and a half years later. We've grown year over year. Uh, we're still a very significant contributor to to the company, the company's growth, the content ecosystem, you know, a huge top of funnel opportunity for them. And for us, they have funded and supported so many initiatives from, you know, putting on an online summit that went on to build a school in Laos um, you know, Amazing. We, we funded that, which was incredible. We've created something called 20 on the Rise together, which is helping to, to highlight and elevate rising voices in the creative economy to really showcase the talent of these individuals and to create a platform where they can be recognized. You know, it's not always a popularity contest on social media. We're going out and finding these incredible stories of entrepreneurs making an impact and doing all sorts of incredible things. Um, that's just two, two things that I can, you know, there's so many, <laughs> but all of that over the course of four years. So it was definitely a, a very exciting experience going through the acquisition, but I think it's been really incredible to be on the other side of that, to have, you know, worked through both the the ups and the downs, the growing pains and the huge successes of, of going through business and doing it together and to be four and a half years in, almost five years in, um, just really proud, proud of how far we've come and, and really proud that, um, you know, we, we put our heads down, we did the work and we're still working every single day to, to make an impact. I like stories like that. I like stories that work out well. Yeah. I'm curious, can you pinpoint what some of the keys you think have been to your financial success as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur? Are there certain things or habits or practices or uh, behavior patterns, anything that you can pinpoint that maybe has helped you get where you're at? Yes, I think you know, there are a couple learnings. One is shifting from the solopreneur to the CEO mindset. It's something that I talk about frequently, but early on, especially as a true solopreneur, as a photographer in that seat, I saw my business as myself. 
And that was, um, in the beginning, you know, very motivating, but very quickly became an identifiable issue because your business is not you. Right. 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 And I think that shifting from that mindset of, I have to do it all. It has to be exactly the way I would do it. Gripping the reins of control with both <laughs> fists, white knuckled, uh, and letting go and moving into the seat of CEO and saying, Hey, these are my strengths. I'm doubling down on those. Here are all my weaknesses. I'm either going to hire for the weakness, outsource the weakness, you know, basically optimize for the weakness, streamline it, uh, and really step into a different position where, you know, I'm not trying to control it all, but instead I'm identifying where I can move the needle, identifying where I actually bottleneck or hold us back, and then finding ways to get that off of my plate in order to scale. And so that was really successful for me, both, you know, with my personal business, when we, when we built Rising Tide, uh, very, 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 very much one of the reasons we succeeded was that I realized, hey, here are my weaknesses. There's a lot of them. So even with among our co-founding team, you know, found people that that could fill those gaps far better than I ever could. And that really enabled us to, to have that early growth. And, you know, I see that replicated as well with successful companies, whether it's, you know, HoneyBook or others. I think additionally to that, especially when it comes to financial success, you know, it is it really comes down to understanding you know, your customer, knowing their pain points and serving them well. I think at the end of the day, every business can throw every hack out there as, you know, optimize here, get rich quick, leverage this tool, you know, paid ad spend in this way, look at this emerging platform, you know, get on TikTok. I keep hearing that. And, (laughs) you know, all of that is great. But if you don't truly understand your customer, you don't know their pain points and you're not serving them well, it doesn't matter how many hacks you you do or it doesn't matter how much money you throw into ads. You're going to be fighting an uphill battle. And the most successful businesses that I see and the moments when we launch things that really excel, it, they always happen when there is such a deeply understood need, you know, of how to solve a problem, a deeply right. understood strategy for how to, you know, create something that people truly are looking for. That's when it explodes. That's when you see wild growth. That's one of the reasons why, you know, Rising Tide worked the way that it did and it exploded the the way that it did. It wasn't, you know, gathering people together in community is a concept as old as time. But we identified that there was a pain point and a huge need because we lived it because I experienced it as an entrepreneur. And I said, if this is the problem that I'm facing, I cannot be alone. There is no way that I'm the only one exhausted and tired of trying to build this business on my own and not having access to resources that I need. And so we set out to change that. We knew the pain point. And I think that, you know, having a very clear understanding as we started with, you know, clarity is empowerment, having a clear understanding of what you're trying to accomplish and the needs that are really out there sets you up to then succeed. You can't just go out to try to build something without understanding the problems and the people you're trying to serve. Yeah, I like that. Clarity is empowerment. I think that's that's awesome. This may seem like an obvious question, but why is community so important if you are an entrepreneur? Why does that move the needle or make a difference? Well, I think, you know, community is wired into our DNA. We're social creatures by nature. We, you know, are not basically built to live isolated lives. And, you know, we've had incredible shifts in the last two, 3,000 years with societies, you know, and how our world looks. 
The human brain in that period of time, however, has not evolved dramatically. We're not <laughs> right. seeing a change in our physical structure. And so when when that happens, we need to understand that although we don't live in small tribal communities where we know everyone around us, we still need that type of interaction with other human beings. And I have found that entrepreneurs, especially being in positions of stress, positions of leadership, having having a lot of responsibility that falls on their shoulders, they need that social community more than nearly anyone else. And you see higher rates of things like anxiety, depression, and mental illness among populations of entrepreneurs and co-founders. I think oftentimes because of that lifestyle that they are chasing after, the stresses, the pressures that they're pursuing, and community is is a way that we can come together to do life together, to not go at it alone. And it doesn't solve for a lot of the problems, but it does make it easier to endure. And I think, I mean, I'm an advocate of community for everyone. I think we all need some sense of community and, and people around us and uh, to, to really feel like we we belong to something, that we have this tribe, if you want to use that word. So, yeah, I think community is paramount. I know for me as an entrepreneur, having people that I can talk to even just to flush out ideas has been an absolute game changer. Absolutely. So I know you're also talk a lot about being an advocate for rights for entrepreneurs. And we've seen a lot of talk lately, or I have in particular, we've seen it with Uber, and there's a lot of startups where the conversation is happening around rights for entrepreneurs. And I know you're an advocate, especially for, for female entrepreneurs with what you do, but I'm curious if you could just elaborate a little bit, like, what are you seeing out there? What's sort of changing or what do entrepreneurs need to be aware of? Yeah. So there, first of all, I, I think for people who maybe aren't familiar with the entrepreneurial space, there are a lot of shifts happening. One of the ones that we're most proud of truly and completely is that with community comes kind of vision into how all of us are operating. Whereas when we're working in silos, we don't have access to understand what's going on with the entrepreneur next yeah, door. Exactly. And when we start to come together in community, just as you saw with, for example, the Me Too movement, when women started talking to one another going, <laughs> wait, Me Too, a call to action, a call to arms ultimately kind of emerged from that. And so, you know, we we see, for example, the gender pay gap being an example of of something that we didn't know if it existed in the freelance space or the small business space. We hoped it didn't because in that world, women are setting their own prices. Surely they should be charging as much as their male counterparts. But after analyzing, especially this year, we just analyzed over 300,000 invoices from oh October gosh. 2018 to 2019 and found that indeed there still is a gender pay gap among the creative economy, among these freelancers, among these, these creative small business owners. And it was hard. It was really challenging to look at that, to see that women are completing, in our case, 17% more projects than their male counterparts, but they're still earning 11% less annually. And when you look at it a project per project basis, it's 35% less per project than male counterparts, which to us wow. means there's a real problem. 
these women aren't charging what they're worth. They're not charging the same amount. And that's something that we really believe at Honeybuck Rising Tide with our community that we can help to change, that we can bring, you know, clarity around the issue. We can eliminate wage secrecy. We can improve education around it, helping them to understand, well, you know, actually the average amount that people are charging is this, right? Just by, yeah, by getting out clarity. and talking to other people. Exactly. There yeah. you go. The clarity and to understand that they can charge more for their services, that they are worth more and you know even just starting those conversations has been has been a key contributor to in our world helping to facilitate an understanding that a there's a problem and b it's something in their hands they are in control of, of fixing it of solving it and we can work together to do that and is it just a, a I don't want to say simple fix, but but having that information, having that education of no matter what your business is, what you should be charging, are you finding that that's actually helping women, that that's changing that statistic at all? So we did see from our research in 2017 to our research in 2019 that the wage gap itself appears to be shrinking and uh, within our community and through our research and that people are more aware of it. So we do believe that it's contributing. Now, if it had just gone away immediately after our first data report and our first initial push, that would have been an indication that, wow, we solved it. I, I None of us expected that to happen because we understand that there are multiple layers to why, you know, women are charging less. I think that we found there are a lot of, a lot of sort of, uh, unfortunate, like long-term societal pressures around insecurities, doubts, fears, even parenting and, and the weight of parenting roles. Um, and sort of, you know, the role that plays. Like we, for example, we found that 47% of women as compared to 14% of men have felt the need to hide their parenting responsibilities from clients. Yeah. And that, you know, Although we still live in a society that predominantly puts those pressures on women, that does not necessarily translate to the the work balance in in these relationships and in these households. And we've asked the question of, you know, does that fear of showcasing that you are, you know, building a family, having parenting responsibilities – impact the relationship with clients and the perception that you have of your own worth, of your own price tag, of the own amount you're willing to charge for your service or for your time. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of, a lot of larger factors out there that are contributing to that underlying internal dialogue that these entrepreneurs are having with themselves when it comes to setting their rates and setting their prices. And so we believe that it's going to take a while, a lot of conversations, a lot of education, a lot of challenging the norms and continuing just to, to communicate that, you know, the wage secrecy of the past is not of the future, that we can be transparent transparent with one another about what we're charging, that, you know, we believe a rising tide lifts all boats and that when one entrepreneur is empowered, it does not take away from the ability of another to be empowered. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're trying to actively support uh, the community in charging more, charging what they're worth and raising the tide for all. I like that. That works. So uh, talking about empowering and empowerment, I want to I want to empower somebody who's listening right now to this, listening to your words. Somebody who's listening to this show who really they want to find entrepreneur success. Maybe there's been failures or setback or lack of finances. We could fill in the blank with a million things. But if I'm that person and I'm listening to you, talk to me directly. What steps should I take right now to propel me forward this year? Bottom line, you need to understand 
your superpowers and your genius zone. Follow the steps we talked about earlier in this podcast episode and get clarity around the work that you need to be doing in your business in order to succeed next year, in order to take those steps in the months to come. Then what I would encourage you to do is to create a list, to create a list of all of the tasks that you are doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis for your business and quickly identify the amount of time roughly that you spend doing those tasks. Bottom line, you're going to go through with the highlighter and highlight the things that you should continue doing based on knowing yourself, your skill sets, and your strengths. And anything else that isn't highlighted on that list, you're going to prioritize by the amount of time that you are spending it on it. And then when you know how much time you're spending on the things you should not be doing, you've got to take action. You need to either, you know, implement systems that enable you to streamline. We, we talk about it, Honeywell, all the time, streamline your workflows, automate your systems, leverage technology to be your co-pilot in building this business. If there are things that could be done better by a platform like HoneyBook, a CRM tool, another type of technology, you're going to do it. If it takes outsourcing, potentially hiring, bringing on um, a consultant or bringing on a contractor, consider doing it. But remove the things from your plate that you shouldn't be doing. So you can get that time back. We've talked about it multiple times. Your time is your most critical currency. It is the thing you cannot get back. It is the thing that moves the needle. And so you need to know where your time is going and how you can spend it leaning more into what you should be doing into that genius zone and into your superpowers. I was really honored to be able to share Natalie's story with you. You don't have to have something major in life happen to say, hey, I want to make a change, big or small. So Find your genius zone and then lean way, way, way into it. That's what I'm learning how to do. And that's so what I want for you. You can find Natalie over at honeybook.com and on social media at Honeybook. And to plug into the community, go to honeybook.com slash rising tide. So on this podcast, we are definitively changing our language around money to help everyone unlock the lives they want to live. So now that you're part of this movement, it's up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So share this episode with someone that you think is ready to make life changes they're never going to look back on. Tell them why they should be listening to the show and invite them in so we can just all talk about money in a new, fun, and hopefully fresh way. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. 
Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org.